Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. We are in Genesis chapter 14. We're continuing with... uh... Last week, we, we, we started part of Genesis chapter 14, and uh, we're continuing our study here. Um, how many remember last week? Let's recap, because some of you might not have been here. Genesis chapter 14, um, Abram, which I might say Abraham, you know, so it's okay. But Abram, for his name was Abraham, was Abram. Um, he was in the land, and um, there was uh, these kings, nine kings. Remember, there was... Five kings that were paying uh, dues and taxes to Catalomer. Catalomer. And as they paid that, they got tired of doing that. Paying all those dues for 12 years, and so they got a belly full of it. And they said, you know what? We don't want to do this anymore. Uh, we're going to rebel. And so in the 12th year, we learned that he, they rebelled against him, and they met into the land. And what happened is the, you would think that five kings would have the advantage but Catalomer took advantage of these five kings and defeated them. And in the process, they took captive the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah. And they also took Abraham's nephew, which was Lot. Why did they take Lot? Because Lot at first was living near Sodom. How many of you know that Sodom represents sin? Sin city, right? Lot was living near Sodom, but then Lot moved into Sodom. And what we learned last week is you got to beware that there's no, as Christians, don't become carnal, don't live near sin, because if you live near sin, eventually sin will live in you. And so we have to beware we're not carnal Christians. You know, carnal Christians are ones that make all their observations and everything that comes through life is through their physical senses. And God's given you a spirit. You know, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became born again. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. So a third of you is perfect. That that third of you will go to be with the Lord in heaven. It's the spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives down inside of you. So it's a perfect spirit. But how many of you know you have a soul and you have a body that has to be transformed? Your, your soul has to be renewed by the Word of God. And we have to police our bodies with the Word of God. Paul said, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But be not conformed to this world, right? Don't, don't be carnal. Don't be fleshy, Christians. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you'd be able to prove what's the perfect and acceptable will of God. So in the process, they take Lot. They take him captive. And that's what you got to be aware of as, as, as a Christian is that sometimes you can be taken captive by the enemy just because you're flirting with sin. You're living in sin. You're near sin. So we learn to become, where are the salt? Remember what Jesus said? He says, you're not, it's not that you're going to be salt, that you might be salt that you have the potential to be salt. He says, you are. Turn to your neighbor and says, you are. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. So what are we to do? We're to be salty, right? 
keep people thirsty for the Word of God. We're to show our light, not douse the light, but show our light. It's, it's to, to uh, if salt loses its flavor, it's no good for anything. So we're to be that salt and we're to be that light. And so we're going to read here in verses 18, um, no, 13, I'm sorry, 13 through 17, uh, about what's taking place after Abraham's nephew was taken by the king. It says, verse 13, Then one who escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol, and the brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot, his nephew Lot, and his goods as well as the women and the people. Verse 17, And the king of Sodom, you know, the evil king, went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Ketalamer and the king's, well, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Ketalamer. Can you say Ketalamer with me? You speak Hebrew. <laughs> and the kings were with him. Now, here's what I want you to see here this morning. God is testing Abraham. The rest of this, this whole chapter is God testing Abraham. Abraham is walking with God. He's learning about God. He's, he's new to walking with God and God's principles, but he is test, God is testing Abraham. And how many know God is testing us? How many know God tests the hearts? You know God tests the minds, he tests the hearts. How many of you know that, that your faith is going to be tested? Maybe some of you here today and your faith is being tested right now. But you know what? Faith that's not tested cannot be trusted. You got to have your faith. Listen, you can't have a testimony without a test. And here's the beautiful thing about it. If you fail the test, God lets you take it over. Right? He doesn't advance you into the next grade. Right? You, if, if you fail the test, God will give you the test over and over again until you pass it. And so, here's the test. Because, listen, it says, count it all joy. James says it like this, count it all joy when you fall into tests and trials. See, it could be that Sometimes the tests and trials that we get into are our own fault. How many of you know sometimes you reap what you sow? Huh? You always reap what you sow. But sometimes how many of you know that you reap things that you don't sow? That you fall into trials. Falling means maybe it wasn't your fault. But it says, count it all joy. How many of y'all do that when you fall into a trial? You're just, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> See, we don't count it all joy for the trial. We count it all joy because God's still on the throne. God's going to get us through. It says, count it all joy when you fall into trials and tests, knowing this. What do we know, church? Knowing this. Knowing that the testing of your faith, say knowing the testing, here's what we know. The testing of your faith produces patience. This is James chapter 1. But let patience have its perfect work that you be entire and wanting nothing. So here's the thing. When you fall into trial, you don't complain, you don't murmur, 
You, you, you don't say, oh me or oh my. You don't, you don't get upset. You count it all joy because that you know that while your faith is beating the daylights out of that trial, patience is working on you. Patience is making you more mature Christian. You know what biblical patience is? Biblical patience is not waiting. I mean, you know, we all have to wait. Sometimes we're not good at waiting. Amen? You ready to take your kids to the school? You're running late as it is, and all of a sudden, ding, 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 here comes a train. How many of you need to be somewhere, and the train just stops? <laughs> right on the track, and you start getting on Google Map, you're trying to find a different way to get there, and it's like, oh, if I go 100 miles this way, there's an overpass that goes over the... Listen, we're all going to have to wait in life. But, but biblical patience is not the ability to wait. Biblical patience is, is the attitude while you're waiting. It's being steady. You know, when you, when, I'm a lot better today, praise God, by God giving me the glory and not by my own, that what I used to be in my 20s, <laughs> I'm a lot more patient than I am. Than I am. I'm a lot more patient today. And God, for the glory of that. And where did that come from? Going through some trials. Get my fat in the fire, huh? Get my fat in the fire and realizing, you know what? I don't have to worry because God's in control. God's my source. Amen. And when I trust Him and my faith is being tested, not only is it going to whoop the trial, but it's going to change me. It's going to change my attitude. So Abraham is being tested here. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to be tested. Let's look at. Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 18. See, God, here's, here's, no, before we go to 18, how is Abraham tested? Well, first of all, with Lot. Here's the first test. Remember when Abraham and Lot in chapter 13 were coming along and they, and so they wouldn't have a, a division and divide and argue and get upset with their business dealings. Abraham told Lot, let's separate. You go so you're like, you find some land, I'll find mine, and you have first choice. So there won't be any division. We won't be divided. And you remember what Lot did? He looked out and he saw all the lush, green Jordan Valley. He says, I'll take all that. <laughs> did you know God called Abram, not Lot? He called Abram and says, I'm going to bless you, Abram. And he says, look out of your tent. He says, see the stars? That's how your descendants are going to be. Look to the north, south, east, and west. He says, and that's all that land is yours. But Lot was just tagging along with Abram. And Lot wasn't praying. Lot didn't build an altar. Abraham was doing that. Lot looked. And like we can't get in our carnality, our flesh, he looked and chose all that was best. He didn't give Abraham just a little bit. He took it all. And when he did that, you know, so Lot gets all the great luscious land and Abram gets stuck with dusty land. And he's walking off. You remember what God does? God shows up and says, Abram, he says, look to the north, south, east, and west. I'm giving it all to you. Don't worry about your nephew Lot. That's what he's saying. Look to your source. I'm your source, Abram. Don't look to resources. I'm your source. Did you know that God is your source. Amen. God uses resources and resources are not bad. 
but God is your source. Your job is not your source. Amen? Your 401k is not your source. Stocks are not your source. They are resources that God uses and blesses you with. But if you ever make the mistake that resources are your source, you're going to start wringing your hands and become worried because resources can change. Brooks can dry up, Elijah. Amen? you got to realize that the source of everything that you have is God Most High. Everything comes from his hand. And so he's teaching right then and there, Abram, in Genesis chapter 13, that I'm your source. Don't worry what people do to you. Don't worry if they take advantage of you. Because they are just resources, and resources can get flaky. Money can get funny. Amen? But I'm your, ultimately your source, and I do not change. Resources change. God says, I never change. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. God is your source. Amen. And so you got to remember that, whatever you're doing in life, that God is your source. Now, here's the temptation. I had not even got to the, the test yet. Here was the temptation for Abram. When Lot got taken by the city, by Sodom, the king of Sodom, by the, the kings in the battle, when he got, when he got, Taken, you know what he could have, Abram could have done? He could have said, you know what? You reap what you sow. Thank you, Lord. You said you're going to give me all the land. And now that Lot's out of the picture, I'll just take all the land. There was the temptation right there. And we got to realize in our life that, listen, that is Abram's family. That is his brother's son, his nephew. And sometimes in life, I know about you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you got some folks in your family that are a whole lot like Lot? Huh? They're just carnal. They just run to what they see. They don't, they're not holy. They're not worshiping God. Maybe they don't even know God. Maybe they're far from God. And the temptation for us sometimes is just say, you know what? They reap what they sow. It's not my problem. But that's not the attitude to have. Abraham pursued Lot. How far will you go for your family? How far will you go for a Christian brother or sister who has wandered from the truth? Let's look at James real quick. I'm going to read this from the message. We're not going to have it up there, but I'm going to read from the message here. James chapter 5, 19 through 20 says, My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. See, Abraham could have wrote, forget you, you selfish nephew. Thank you, Lord. We justify things, can't we? How many know that whatever you justify can't be forgiven? Amen. Don't. If you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Go after them. There's the test. He went after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives. You know when people do me wrong, and how many have people have done you wrong in life? How many know the Word of God says to bless our enemies? Huh? We don't like to preach about that. We don't like to talk about that. Right? We like, tell me I'm a champion, Pastor Arthur. <laughs> tell me I'm a lion. But how many know we got to eat everything off the buffet? 
and to bless our enemies. How many know that can be a struggle at some times? I've done that many a times where I just, but you know where you get blessed by? It's not by what you feel, it's by the obedience. Peter, Jesus told him to drop his nets after he's cleaned his nets one day. He says, drop it in the water. He says, Master, we talled all night. I don't feel like this is going to work. My natural inclination is this is not going to work. You, you, you don't, you're not the fisherman. We fish, and we fish at night, and we told all night. We've done you know, the graveyard shift. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I will what? Obey your word. And they let down his nets, and they were blessed. Right? Sometimes we need to just bless folks. You know why we need to bless folks, even if they do us wrong? About, how about Mama Bear when they do your children wrong? Hmm? We need to bless them and not curse them because they are precious souls that the enemy wants to take. And it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Did you know that? And so when you reach out with mercy and you extend mercy, but how many of you want mercy in your life? Then you need to extend mercy. And not just do people just love us, but those that might wander from the truth, done us wrong, been selfish. He says, go after them, get them back. And when you have rescued precious life from destructions and you prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Hallelujah. God is your source. That is what God is teaching here through this test to Abram, that I am your source. Don't worry about people. They're not your source. I am your source. Look at, look, let's look at verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the... So this guy just shows up. You got nine kings fighting out here. They name all the kings. You remember me last week spitting out all those names? Nine of them fighting, and all of a sudden this Melchizedek shows up just out of nowhere. He's the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the what? You didn't have kings and priests. 400 years later, when Aaron and that lineage of priests came from the Levitical law, priests came from Aaron, they weren't kings. You could not be a king. God would not allow you to become a king and a priest. Conflict of interest. King Uzziah tried to do it. He got leprosy. So, kings came through the line of Judah. Priests came through the tribe of Aaron. So here you have, before the law, before Moses, 400 years before the law, you have this king Melchizedek Brought out bread and wine. By the way, there's your first communion. And that's why we're taking communion today. He was the priest of God Most High, El Elyon. He, that's the first time that Abram hears El Elyon, God Most High. He heard about Elohim, God the Creator, in the beginning, Elohim. Created the heavens and the earth. Now, this king, who is the king and priest of Salem. Salem was the ancient city of Jerusalem, which means peace. Not just peace, but wholeness. 
you learn about this. You read about this first in Genesis 14. David makes a mention in Psalms that out of the order that the Messiah would come through the order of King Melchizedek that would be on forever. In Hebrews chapter 7, the writer of Hebrews talks about Melchizedek. Now, who is this Melchizedek? He just shows up. Some speculate, and for good reason, that it could be Jesus Christ before Bethlehem, the pre-incarnate Christ. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, it says that he was without genealogy. He had no beginning or end. But it says he was like the Son of God. Some people think, scholars think it could be Noah's son, Shem, that came. That could be this Melchizedek. It could be he's just a Canaanite king that has revelation from God that God is the Most High God. It doesn't matter what you think who he is. We don't get divided about that. He is a type, a perfect type of Christ, who is, by the way, the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace. Amen? He is our great high priest. But he shows up and he begins saying to Abram, God most high, El Elyon, God most high. He is pointing to Abraham that God is your source. Look what he says. So he says, he says, he blesses him, says, blessed be Abram of God most high, El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth. He owns the earth, he owns the heavens. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, not those 318 trained men. Do you realize that they started off 318 men and went against four kings of armies that defeated five kings? That's small odds, right? I'm reminded in the Bible when I was studying about this, do not despise small beginnings. Amen. If you have faith as the size of the seed of a mustard seed, you will be able to say that this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea and shall not doubt in your heart. But believe in the things that you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Amen. God is your source. Amen. He's reminding him, God is your source, Abram. And he's our source. Let's look at it this way. Let's look at Matthew. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6. How many remember Matthew chapter 6? Jesus always tells us not to worry. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. You know why we worry? You know why you and I worry? Because we can't fix it. Right? You and I worry about things because our resources change. The brook dries up. That's how I always get everything, through the brook. That's why we worry, because we make our resources our source. Don't make your resources your source. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 33, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need, that you need all these things. But seek first the source. Amen? Seek first the kingdom. Not just the kingdom, but the king of the kingdom. The source. Amen? See, some people use the kingdom and they play the kingdom because there is a method. Give and it shall be given to you, but that's not the right attitude. 
You don't just seek the hands of God, you seek the face of God. Seek ye first the source, the king of the kingdom, and all the resources, all the resources, praise God, will be added unto you. Amen? If you got it backwards, if you seek the resource as your source, you're going to worry. Because resources change. But God says, I never change. I'm not like shifting shadows. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the God, El Elyon. And when you recognize him as El Elyon, you begin to worship him like that. So look what happens. He blesses. The king of Salem blesses Abram and tells him, it's not because of what you have, it's because of your source. Do you understand that? The obedience of just obeying God when it does not make sense. You know how many times in this ministry I had to obey God when it does not make sense? How many of you know that faith sometimes don't make sense? But it's all about obedience. Naaman. Remember King in, in Second Chronicles, Second Kings, it talks about Naaman and, and God told him through the prophet Elisha, he says, because Naaman had leprosy. And what he did, he, tell, he told through the prophet, he says, I want you to go dip seven, God said this to the prophet, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman's like, oh my gosh, the Jordan River, the dirtiest river around? You want me to go dunk, dunk myself in the Jordan River? We got, surely we got rivers back home that are a lot more better and clearer. And he would have missed God. But he obeyed. And he got in that Jordan River. And guess what happened on the seventh time? He came up and his leprosy was gone. His skin was like a baby. Like a baby, amen? Was healing in the water? No, healing was in the source, Amen. amen. It's about being obedient, yes. obedient to God. Recognize him as El Elyon, yes. the most high God. Yes. And there is no other. Amen. So this king of Salem, if he was a Canaanite king, he had a monotheistic view of God. There's only one God, not polytheistic. Not like the king of Sodom, but one God. Yes. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is the Word. He's the Son of God. He is God. Philip says, how do we see God? He says, Philip, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is. Jesus is not a created God. He is God. He's El Shaddai. Amen. Elohim. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is our source for everything. Not your doctor. That's a resource. But he's not your source. Everything comes through your source. It's about being obedient to God. Let's look at... So after he says all of that to Abram, it says that Abram gave him a tithe of all. He gave him a tithe. 10% is a tithe. This is taking place. You know there's folks that say, the tithe went away when Jesus fulfilled the law. The ceremonial laws that's no longer counted today. This happened 400 years before the law. And Abram thought, thought it necessary to give the tithe. 
And why did he give the tithe? Because he was worshiping El El Yon. Listen, you don't give your tithe so that you can be blessed. See, some people use the kingdom of God like that. Why? No, you give your tithe because you are blessed. You don't give your tithe so you'll be blessed. You give the tithe because you are blessed. Do you know that you're blessed by God? Do you know that God's your source? You know that you didn't wake up on your own this morning and God didn't wake you up because you deserve it. You woke up because your source woke you up this morning. Amen. The air that you breathe in your lungs comes from your source. You are blessed, highly favored. Did you know that? You have the blessing of Abraham on you. Did you know that? What are we reading about the blessing of Abraham? This doesn't pertain to me. Yes, it does. For Christ, <laughs> for Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for is written. Cursed is the man who hangs on the tree, that the blessing, the blessing, the blessing of Abraham might come upon, not just the Jews, the Gentiles, Gentiles, us. And that we would be blessed by him. We have the blessing. Do you realize that? Your cup overfloweth? Huh? Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And it flow, listen, it doesn't just flow in your cup. It flows over into that saucer. Your kids are that saucer, amen? Spilling over into your kids and your kids. We sing about it. Your kids, kids, kids. Generations to come. Children's children. Hallelujah. That's what we give. And Abraham gave him a tithe. Look at verse 21. Because the devil's never going to just let it go. Now the king of Sodom, you know, the evil king, said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Wait, I don't think he's in the position. He just, who do you think has all the rights here? He's the one that defeated the king's. You know the devil just wants a little piece of you? You take all the rest, but just give me a little bit of your heart. Give me a little bit of this. Look what Abram did. Now the king of Psalms said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. He said, I still won't have my kingdom. You take all the spoils, just give me the people so I can go back and I can brag. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. What does he say? Church. God most what? El Elyon. Where do you hear that from? Melchizedek. Well, this is the first time he heard that. And now he's saying, I have raised my hand to the Lord. He refers to him, God most high. The possessor, who said that? Of heaven and earth. Melchizedek said that. He says, I will not take nothing from a thread to the sandal strap, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Watch out for that devil. He wants some of the glory. God gets all the glory. Amen? And we need to do that. Yes, people, and there's resources out there, that God can use as a pipe to channel his source through, but never make people and jobs and 401ks and things like that 
become your source. Always recognize God as the Most High God. He's the God of heaven and the earth. And He's given us authority. We're, we're never, we're never thinking that, oh, I'm the Bible answer man. We're to walk in humility, amen? You don't know a thing until unless God gave it to you. Huh? Come on. We got to keep ourselves in humility. We keep ourselves in humility. We keep, you know what? Don't be like Lot and just, here, here's the application. Don't be just looking what you see down here, the green lush land. Oh, you know, I'm going to move from this job because it pays more money. Might not be God's will. Seek ye first, the source, the kingdom of God, and all the resources. All these things will be added unto you. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.